we're on, right? Are we on? We're on. We're on. Wow, we are on. Well, welcome to the show today, everybody. We have uh, in-house today, we've got uh, a man with so much knowledge, even the angels come to him with questions they just can't wrap their wings around. It's Pastor hey. David Gadini. Hey, 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 all right. Uh, next, better not challenge his authority on worship technologies, otherwise he's sure to light you up. Oh, so bad, isn't it? But I, let, let's let's clap for that one too. All right, Andrew Metcalf is in the in the house, and our producer, the man with the ability to mute you with the push of a button. Some say he's power hungry. I say maybe he's just hungry. Someone get him some chicken wings with some bones. Our producer, Kent Jones. Jones. Hey, all right. Welcome to the show, everyone. Dave is here. Let's listen to this for a minute. Love this song. But anyway, all right. Dave is really anxious to get to the digits because that's what he does. I think you're more anxious than anyone here, Steve. And, you know, and, and why don't we get an intro for you? Like, 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 you know, I think you crafted this all week. I mean, what's your, what's Literally your intro? in the shower today? In the shower today. All right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> I told Barbie, I said, I'm going to go take a shower and I need to do some brainstorming in there. She's like, I think all the time in the shower. I'm like, I know that's the best place for it. No one's bothering you. It's an echo chamber of sorts, you know? So it's like, yeah. I'm just going to do Have it. Have you ever thought about getting like those wax like markers, the erasable markers, but you can use them in water. Like I thought about this in the wall of our shower. Cause like you're sitting there, you're getting ideas. You've got to take the notes and actually that's by the time a great you idea. jump out and like, you know, your hands wet and you're like pen on paper, it's like sopping through and it, it just doesn't work. I'm you know, you're in like an office building, like in the conference rooms, they put up dry erase walls. Yeah. Right. But it's right. just a big shower. <laughs> Multi-head kind of thing. Going yeah. Right. It'd be like the boys locker room, but just of ideas. You know what I'm saying? Like, you have a staff meeting in the same then, situation. Guys, like we're going to shower. Yeah. Hold on, I, I got to rinse. <laughs> someone get my back. Uh, someone, what, what's that? Lufa? Lu, yeah, 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 right. Lu, 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 a little itchy. Can yeah. you grab that? Yeah. The brainstorming lufa. Pass it around. Uh, you can't talk right now. You don't have the lufa. Ideas you never thought you could have in church. Ideas sure. you never yeah. thought. Yeah, right. Right. It's good. It's good. Well, guys, we want to thank you for tuning in today. This is the podcast where we invite you to text in your questions on God, on Jesus, on Christianity, on the Bible, on the spiritual life. Um, anything goes. There's uh, so many people that I've met over the course of my ministry who walk around with these unanswered questions because they're simply afraid to ask them. Maybe you think you're going to be judged by asking the question, reveal a certain sense of ignorance or naivety by your question. Maybe you think it's too far out of the box. Maybe you think that you're the only person who's ever had a question. Maybe you think it's so off the rails that it's not even worthy to be asked. Maybe you think it's too simple to be asked or too complex to be asked. This is the podcast that no matter what it is, we just encourage you to ask it because we think God wants you to ask questions. And we think that if you have the questions, it's a sign of wrestling sincerely with your faith, with, with God, with what he's doing in your life. So you could text those in to 815-314-0363. Again, 815-314-0363. If you're watching us on the net, uh, 216 The Net, following us on Facebook, you can post your questions right there on the feed, be it 216 The Nets feed or Fellowship of Faith. Um, whichever method you choose, they'll come to us. We do our best every episode to get to as many of them as we can. If we don't, though, um, they are in our inbox and they'll come back around. Andrew, you're back with us today. I am. Yes. Out. Yes. It's weird being, being out for a couple of weeks. So how, happy to be where, where have you been for the last two weeks? Well, I was sick. Our audience wants to know. I was sick two <laughs> weeks ago, and I appreciate the prayers on the podcast. Yes, that was great. we did. Um, and then last week I was with my family for Thanksgiving. Mm, and we prayed for you during that time too. Perfect. Yeah. I appreciate it. All the prayers. All the prayers are always welcome. We only prayers when yeah. we go to a family of Thanksgiving. Everyone needs there. a prayer army of 200,000 people. I there you go. Good. You are now anointed. <laughs> good for you. Yeah. Um, so what I'm noticing though, like while the questions come in, I'm noticing three things. Because you usually don't wear that shirt. I've never no. seen that shirt. No, on I wanted to get in Yang you today because you know you're always in black. And I'm yeah. like, man, I gotta go white. Yeah. You know, so strike. is this for the service tonight? Like, are you dressing up? Christmas? Not, not, not really. But sometimes you just kind of get in the mood. Mm -hmm. Maybe not. To I don't use know. buttons. To use buttons. <laughs> yeah. Dress for yeah. success. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It just looks good. You look good. It was kind of gray. It's that Advent season going on. I'm just like, I don't know. The shirt was calling. Next week, calls. full suit. Listen, full good. suit next week. Looks good. Yeah. So Dave's in full a button-up uh, Ralph Lauren shirt. If you're not watching online, I'm so I'm trying to give you a quick 
visual of what's happening in studio right now. Andrew's here and he's back, but for some reason does not have a hat on. It's weird. Yeah, wait a minute. It's cold minute. too. I feel cold. Welcome. I don't know. To my I world. forgot one. Yeah. My yeah. my through about the middle of November, my head is cold. But then after that, it just becomes numb. Yeah, acclimate. And then no, I don't no. even. No, 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 no. <laughs> you just don't feel anything. I don't feel anything. So, and then I've I've got these readers on because my eyes are failing me, and so I can't see. My arm is not long enough anymore to to hold my phone out. Yeah. So it's yeah. like I'm giving in. I, I got to carry readers with yeah. me now. Either that or just have, you know, some. What you get? You, you got some get new a monocle, glasses, man. No, a monocle. A monocle. Yeah, you would agree <laughs> with a monocle with them. On the, Squeeze on the the stage. Stage. Yeah, that would right. be great. Yeah. You're on stage. You're trying to see the words. You know. Hold on. I can't play this guitar yet because I'm holding <laughs> my monocle. We're going to have to start printing the music oh, bigger. Okay. Yeah. Is that a D? Is that a yeah. B? And then we're going to go through twice as much paper. Yeah. That'll exactly. be half our church budget. Yeah. Yeah. The large print. <laughs> yeah. Paper right. to accommodate Steve's right. aging eyes. Yeah. Sorry, everyone. We can't build a new structure because we're we have an uptick in paper usage. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Anyway, let's Barbie Wells, you should get your eyes checked, maybe. Yes, I know, hun. <laughs> I'm calling her hun because she's my wife. <laughs> just I don't, call, standard I don't just call everyone hun. Right? Hey, give a give a hun out to Tasha here too. Oh, you know? Hey hun. <laughs> Tasha. Hi, Tasha. Well, I did. I was gone last week, but I did take a listen and we ended on a cliffhanger. Okay. You ended you, you left the people wanting more. So the end of last week, it was, was Jesus born during the summer or the winter? Was Jesus born in the summer you or the winter? You got a 50-50 shot on this. I know, right? Right? Let's roll the dice here. We just do don't you... care about fall or spring. <laughs> yeah. those, those don't exist. Do you want the most anticlimactic cliffhanger in all of human history? I can guess what it's going to be. Right. What, what do you think it's going to be? We don't yeah, know. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> who knows? One in 365 chance, right? Mm -hmm. um, or, or maybe it's neither. Maybe it's spring or fall. Um, I, I'll give you some of the speculation around it. I mean, the way the reason that we do Christmas, celebrate Christmas on Christmas Day has nothing to do with thinking that that specific day is Jesus' birthday. There's other reasons for that. Mm -hmm. But um, I'll give you some speculation on it, why people have said like a spring summertime versus a winter time. There's some references that people try to draw out of the Christmas story in Matthew 1 and 2 and Luke 1 and 2 about the lambs being birthed, you know, as the shepherds are, you know, overlooking their flock. And what season would that typically happen in a Middle Eastern, you know, context, in a, in a Judean context? Yeah. Yeah. And so maybe that's a clue that you can pick up on. But it, it certainly starts putting a lot of baggage into the choice of terms used and whether that is lambs being birthed or lambs themselves versus sheep in general. And, and it's speculative. But the other speculative run is I've actually read some of this where I'm going to read Luke 1 verse um, 5 to you, where it says, in the time of Herod, king of Judea, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged to the priestly division of Abijah. And he was basically on rotation or duty in the temple. Mm -hmm. And so some have tried to reconstruct these priestly divisions and when they would serve. And of course, a lot of that is speculative and takes some reconstructive artwork, if you will, in its own right. But some have actually tried to pinpoint that to like the December-ish um, time. And, and so maybe there is more to a December birth than we typically give credit for. But I don't know. 1 in 365, man. So when did that One come around yeah. that we settled on the 25th? Yeah, so how did December 25th come around? This is a little bit more um, in-depth. We're going to go down the history rabbit hole here. Had to do a tax season. Had to do it. Mm, tax season. You got to get it done. <laughs> got to get it. Got to get in. So in the pagan Roman Empire, there was a holiday called Sol Invictus. Sol, like solar, S-O-L. You can hear it in there. And Invictus meaning the invincible sun or the victorious sun. And it was, uh, the, the way I kind of like to hear it put is the festival or feast of the unconquered sun. And it was a pagan rooted holiday as the Roman cult was of celebrating, well, the sun and the, the, the divinity and, and, and God of the sun, basically. Why around this time? Why around December 25th? Well, let me throw it back at you. What is the shortest day of the year? know what the date 20, is. 21st. Typically, yeah. it's 21st considered what? December 21st. Mm -hmm. I, like, I know, know it's coming I up. didn't even know It's that. the winter solstice. Yeah. So June 21st is the longest day of the year. December 21st is the shortest day of the year. Typically speaking, right? right. 
But the problem is calendars don't quite line up with the actual solar cycle. This is why we build leap years in. And even our own leap year doesn't get it quite exactly and quite right. And there's some corrections that have to happen. Well, is the tradition of this developed and they would track the days it kind of got off what we anchored to December 21st today and started hovering around December 25th just because of calendar anomalies. And this became the festival day or feast day um, around the time that the shift happened. Jump now to the fourth century AD. And we're going to come up against the Roman emperor Constantine, who is the first Roman emperor to be a Christian. And he actually converted to Christianity. And there's a really cool story about him that's worth your time reading. Just Google it or, or something like that. But what happened in the Christian church around this time is that they took a lot of these Roman practices and Roman holidays and Roman things like this. And, and the term I like to use is they baptized them. They reappropriated them under Christian ideas and imagery. So you would celebrate on the shortest day of the year that light or the sun would not fundamentally be overthrown because after that day, I mean, if the sun's going to be defeated any day, it's going to be December 21st, right? <laughs> but he's fighting back getting longer and longer from that day. Well, let's talk about now a greater light, a, 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 a more truly divine light who also has come into the world. And you're basically taking one holiday and appropriating it to Christ. And it became, therefore, the celebration of Christmas or Christ's mass is what that means, or as we often talk about Christ's Day. So that's how December 25th came about. Roman holiday, reappropriated into Christian thinking. Mm. Okay with that. You can roll with that? Yeah, that All makes right. sense to me. All right. <laughs> Steve, can you roll with that? Well, I suppose I'm going to have to, because I'm not going to... Well, you know, I don't... to fight the power on no. this and do Christmas. And I don't even want to bike. Like Cinco de Mayo Christmas, you know, May 5th is going to be a new... <laughs> Christmas celebration. That right. would be good because my birthday is three days later. I know. I know. When's your birthday? It's May, May. isn't it? May what? Yeah, 11. 11. I mean, look at this. It's I, just. I knew. But I think we just put Jesus' birth right in the middle. Right in the middle. Yeah. You know what? I wouldn't recommend it, though. I always feel bad for kids who have like that December 22nd birthday or 27th. It's like, mm. I kind of feel like you're getting ripped off a little bit. You know, like me text in, you know, if, if you were born between like December 12th and the new year, how do you like, like it? How do you like it? Yeah. Would you get double the presents or would you just kind of get shafted on this? I think you get shafted. Yeah. I would think so, but I've heard a couple say otherwise that, but then it's like all at once. Share. And then what do you have to, for the rest of the year? Yeah. You know, yeah. When's your, when's your have ones. And see, one, I always right, like that own. because mm. whatever you didn't get for Christmas, you had just enough time to kind of like ask for again and still way. get it cheaply because it's like the after deals. <laughs> yeah, maybe, yeah, right, right. Ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Is that why I got so much Christmas deco over the years? Yeah, right? yeah, you know? yeah. Here's wrapping paper. Knickknacks. Boy, mom and dad really think I love knickknacks. Right. Yeah. Okay. The, the Christmas shaving set. Yeah. Like, yeah. Do I need this? Yeah. I don't know. How many nativity scenes do I need? You have one for each room, right? One for each room, two for each room, actually. <laughs> they compete. You know, head to head. Uh, I just got my first one. one. Did you uh, really? Yeah, my parents were like, here's a nativity set. All like, right. Great. All right. Yeah. So now and it's official. It's Welcome officially Christmas. It house. is. Yes. Was right. it, was it <laughs> a living no tree, room? right? No, it's yeah. not, it is not a living, <laughs> a living one. That would not last long. <laughs> He's got some mice in a container. <laughs> See, I thought it was people just hanging out in your place for the next yeah. year. They're taxidermied mice. Yeah. <laughs> you come home, there's some dude dressed like Joseph. <laughs> some guy in angel wings just kind of That might there. be getting set up in my spare bedroom. I don't go in there ever, so <laughs> I'm going to open the door. <laughs> Joseph, quit eating my stinking pizza. <laughs> <laughs> what happened to all my leftovers? Yeah. It was Jesus. <laughs> and now I'm going to be scared when I go home tonight. I'm going to just peek yeah, in there. Peek in the door. Like, was yeah. that a cow in the yeah, background? Maybe you should give your address online if anyone gets some ideas. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, please. We'll publish that. We'll right. publish that. Um, so next, so if you haven't been able to tell, this show is all about Christmas. So yeah, so, we got a, we got a lot of Christmas questions here. Exactly. Today, huh? But if you have some that you don't hear and you're curious about, text them in to 815-314-0363. And we'll, we'll get to them in the next couple of weeks here. Um, let's do this one. Uh, who were the three kings in the song? Oh, who were the three kings in the song? If um, you're unfamiliar with the song, we three kings of Orient are bearing gifts. We traveled so far. Leftward, 
leading still still pros- I, I think you're singing. i think you're like inflating verses. yeah i, have no I idea. think we're actually singing it tonight too <laughs> no, we? no we're not <laughs> all right uh, so you know that, that that song has often been called the song of three years um because it says there's three of them it says they're kings and it says they're from the orient and of course mm-hmm. it depends how you unpack that um in matthew chapter two it's the only place in the bible that you get the record of these these people who are traditionally called kings but the word it gives there is um if I was to transliterate the Greek, it would be M-A-G-I, um, which is where we get the term magi. And it's probably what you've heard historically. So it never says that they were kings. So let's talk about who were the magi that appear in this story. Well, if you're um, in etymology and things like this, you can hear the word magician as an extrapolation. And so in essence, they were magicians, but but to be more pointed on it, what they were, were astrologers and probably Chaldean or Babylonian, um, but certainly from the East because the biblical narrative, it says they came out of the East. And of course the Babylonian and Assyrian or what we think of as the Persian culture today has a deep history of what we would think of as astrology and maybe even the magic arts and things like that. I'm not talking about people pulling rabbits out of hats um, here. But they would serve as advisors to royalty, to leaders, to administrators, to kings, because these were people who were known for their their, their astuteness, their knowledge, their insights and in, in ability to peer beyond the veil of reality into the ways and mechanisms and workings, not only of the universe and the stars and how that dictates life, but also the gods um, themselves who communicate through these um, ways. And so if you're an ancient leader or an ancient king, well, you want people like this on your staff. Because they're the ones that are in tune with the divine orchestrations and the orchestrations of the universe. Um, So think about them as cabinet members today. These are the advisors, if you will, but advisors steeped in, of course, the occult or magic arts. Kind of like... Andrew and I are to you. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. Magi. Yeah. I mean, Magi Andrew. <laughs> you know, I, I so that. appreciate the way that you read the bones yes, every week, yes, you know, and, right. and you know, the tea leaves and things like that. And well, I want to make sure you're okay. There's uh, <laughs> there's next week's introduction. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. Yeah. Tea leaf reader, Part Steve Wells. <laughs> so if I'm getting this yeah. straight. <laughs> but, but, but it never says that there's three of them, actually. Um, it, it, all it says is it's plural. So there was at least two, but probably it was a caravan of people mm-hmm. coming. Um, because just like when an advisor, a head of state shows up today, they're probably not coming solo. They're coming with their their entourage, if you will, their security, if their you will, and SUVs, others. Their you got it. Yeah. This is probably what is more likely that happened when they came into Jesus' infancy. It also doesn't say that they came at the very moment of his birth. Some speculate that um, they came when he was a year or maybe even up to two years old. And the two-year-old idea has a lot of credence to it because in the biblical narrative, they come to see King Herod first to find out where this one who's king of the Jews is born. And of course, Herod freaks because he's the king or puppet king, if you will, and he doesn't want any threat to the throne. So Herod looks to his own advisors, not astrologers, but but the Jewish prophets, if you will, and priests, to figure out from the scriptures where it's to be born. And that's how he gives them the Bethlehem thing. And he tells these magi, let me know when you find him so I too can go and worship him. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. And the magi are actually warned in a dream not to return to Herod. They escape by another route. Herod is so infuriated that he commands the death or the execution of all children or babies two years and under. Well, why two years and under? Is he just being extra safe? Um, Or was Jesus maybe about that age from the time that the star was first seen? And that's where it gets a little bit speculative, but certainly under the age of two. Um, Multiples, um, magi who came, and the reason that three becomes so entrenched in the tradition is because it talks about gifts of gold, of incense, or frankincense historically, and myrrh that were being brought. So they go, okay, three different kinds of gifts. Well, it just kind of works well if one's one each is bringing one, and that's kind of where the tradition of three finds its birth. But there, there's all the kind of lore written about these guys, and it's fun. They actually have historic names. Um, Belthazar, Ma- Melchior, and Casper are the uh, traditional names given to them and not the friendly ghost. 
Um, and you know, and they're, they're shown as being of different ethnic origins. One of the, of, of, of like a deep, like almost Ethiopian African kind of origin, one of a very kind of Turkish or, or, or Syrian kind of origin, one often more like an Indian, like an India Indian. I mean, by that kind of origin, I mean, who knows on that kind of stuff. But what's cool about the story is how they, through their occultic arts, perceive a star and whether that's actually some supernatural thing blazing in the sky or a comet or just reading the zodiacal signs, if you will. And there's a lot of cool speculation on all of these that have credence. By their pagan arts, they come to realize that something special has happened and a king is being born in Judea and they come to literally worship him. They see divinity in this. And it's a fascinating story to me about how God meets people in their own place. And even through things that the Old Testament scriptures might forbid, a pagan people, if you will, who don't know God, come to see God more clearly in the story than the very people who are entrusted with the tradition, the priests, the Pharisees, the Sadducees, and of course, Herod um, as well. So yeah. there you go. So I think this, this follows up on it well. Uh, is the modern nativity scene accurate as far as, I mean, we talked about the number of, you know, magi or Kings, you know, we don't really know, but as far as like the stable and all the animals gathered around and, you know, one, two, three shepherds, that's yeah, no, it's not, but that's okay because it's really cool. And it's what it's meant to portray symbolically rather than, shall I say, literally, because yeah. the shepherds and the magi probably were not there at the same time. It doesn't say that the angels came to the stable while the shepherds came to see it. In fact, it says they went back into heaven. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, and things like that. To, to the very number of who was there, that's up and, and speculative. <laughs> and honestly, more people think that Jesus was born in a, um, in a cave than he was in our traditional kind of stable. Because in the Middle East, where you would keep your animals, I mean, yes, they could fence in things and have enclosures, but oftentimes as part of the housing complexes that um, archaeologists will kind of unearth and study and look at, they would have within this almost enclave, if you will, of, of, of homes gathered together in a protective fashion in a circle, the animals in the barn would be, well, can we build it into like a stone adobe mm -hmm. kind of thing? And if there's a cave there, even better. So again, some of it is a who knows, but um, we shouldn't think that the modern nativity scene is in any way trying to be an accurate reflection of some kind of biblical narrative or, you know, whatnot. Cool. Well, mine only has Mary and Joseph and Jesus. So okay, so like every <laughs> year, cast out everyone. You else. know what you're getting for Christmas gifts right? mm. for the next year from your mom and dad, right? Yes. You know, you're gonna get an angel one year. You're gonna get a camel. All one the year. rest of the pieces. My she niece likes is is obsessed with baby Jesus, but. She likes to play hide-and-go-seek with baby Jesus, but doesn't always remember where she hides him. <laughs> so my sister is constantly on a hunt for their baby Jesus. That's out of fantastic. Their nativity set. She's just, oh, well, well he was in the trash like can a, today. He was in the cabinet today. Like, and is it like a two-foot baby Jesus, or is it like no, a, it's very, it's, it's very little, small. It's, yeah, like yeah. size of like a, a peanut or something well, like that. Well, and all she has yeah. to do to not get in trouble is say, well, he must have ascended. <laughs> I mean, we jumped straight he did it to once. He can do it again. Transfiguration, <laughs> skip the crucifixion, <laughs> skip the resurrection. You know, yeah. We don't need to go there. Um, I like this one here. Uh, talking about Christmas trees, my friend told me that after reading Jeremiah ten, they no longer do Christmas trees. <laughs> Jeremiah ten seems to talk about Christmas trees as a or to a T. I really like having one, but is it idolatrous? Mm. And this was a, a chapter that I was not familiar with. So this is a great question. Thank you so much for asking. And I, and I actually appreciate the sincerity and devotion of who's ever asking about really wanting to honor God and not mm. fall into, um, false practice or idolatrous practice. Um, some people, when they found out, when they find out about the December 25th idea as well, will have a similar kind of thing. I think it'd be helpful if I read the pertinent part of Jeremiah 10, and then we'll comment on it. It says this, um, yeah, uh, let me, yeah, here it is, uh, right at the beginning. Do not learn the ways of the nations or be terrified by signs in the heavens. 
though the nations are terrified by them. So it's a typical prophetic call of, of don't get afraid of the same stuff that others get afraid of. And likewise, don't get wrapped up into the same practices of all of these pagan nations, because this is Jeremiah speaking to the people of Israel, Judah more specifically, and they're called to be different, holy, set apart with a monogamous relationship with God, if you will, or an exclusive relationship rather than the, the pagan expression of all kinds of practices being kind of brought together, mm -hmm. right? And it goes on and says this, for the practices of the peoples are worthless. Here it is. They cut a tree out of the forest and a craftsman shapes it with his chisel. They adorn it with silver and gold. They fasten it with hammer and nails so it will not totter. Like a scarecrow in a cucumber field, their idols cannot speak. They must be carried because they cannot walk. Do not fear them. They can do no harm, nor they can they do any good. And it goes on to talk about other ideas of idolatry. I, I think what the, the reader is picking up on, though, is, you know, we go out and you go to your cut your own Christmas tree farm or you have Home Depot do it for you, right? Um, a tree cut in a field and then we adorn it, maybe not with actual silver and gold, but certainly with gold tinsel and silver ornaments or pick your color. We, we could see some of the correlations here. Mm -hmm. Well, a couple comments about it. One, I think if you're doing a close reading of the text and it talks about um, the craftsman shaping it with his chisel, what we're getting the idea here more is of an idol being crafted out of the wood or the log that's cut down and then adorned. Um, otherwise, you don't have craftsmen come in your house and shape your Christmas tree with a chisel. But again, I'm being a little overly literalistic here. Nonetheless, it is kind of really talking about fashioning idols out of natural objects, in this case, wood or a tree. But you'll see Isaiah make the same kind of comments on fashioning out of stone or whatever it might be. And, and the ridiculousness of cutting down a tree, this is Isaiah, um, saving half of it for firewood to cook your food over, and, and then using the other half to bow down and worship to, going, it, it's a tree, right? But nonetheless, you see the idea of adorning it and decorating it. And the tradition of the Christmas tree does likewise also have pagan roots. Not from Jeremiah 10 specifically, but now more from the Germanic cultures, right? That, that existed more in the AD sphere, where um, you could read about Yule logs and, and, and the adornment of trees and things like this that, that, well, coincided with the pagan festivals of the unconquered sun, not just Rome, and it's pretty across the board. And, and some Christians have really struggled with that over the centuries. And it really comes down to how is a Christian interacted, uh, called to interact with culture? And there's been three basic approaches, and I'll give the two minority approaches first, and then I'll give what has typically been considered the, the orthodox approach, if I can use it that way, that's been practiced by most Christians throughout human history. And let's go to the two minority positions first. The minority positions are this, just embrace culture whole hog. Whatever the culture says is true is good. Let's just do it. It doesn't matter. Um... Whatever we believe in our heart, it doesn't matter what we practice. And from the beginning, that's been fairly rejected. And, and, well, fairly. It's been widespread rejected from the time of the, the apostles themselves through Christian history. Now, it always exists in every generation of the church where you will see Christians bowing to culture first as what shapes our, our, our norms and our mores and our customs and our practices and also our idea of right and wrong. Um, and subserviating the biblical and Christian witness to it. I don't think I need to get into that too much, but, but this is a stream that exists in Christianity and churches today. The equal and opposite reaction to this is to avoid culture at all costs. It's almost to be counterculture for the sake of being countercultural. So if the culture does it, it must be bad, and therefore we will do the opposite. Maybe the best expression of this today would be among the Amish communities or even Mennonites, um, where there's there's very much a separation from the world. My wife, for example, grew up in a a Mennonite tradition, and and I remember some of the like the devotional encouragements that they would give in their literature that they would hand out, and 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 just the context of the way that the church did life together and the, 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 the cultural norm that was placed on its members. 
And, and I remember reading this one article was, uh, I think it was titled, is it too much to ask? Um, and then they just started listing things. Is it too much to ask that you don't go to the school dance? Is it too much to ask that you don't participate in sports? Is it too much to ask that you don't have a TV? Is it too much to ask that we don't dress in white or use jewelry or other worldly kinds of things? Is it too much to ask? Um, and, and it would just kind of like went on and on to basically any kind of cultural practice that people would find themselves engaged in from, you know, joining a sports team or a club at school to participating in some kind of civic activity to having entertainment from the world as part of your life and home to dressing the way the world does and things like that. And it can be well motivated because it's often brought out of a context of people truly wanting to be separate unto God and not tainted by the things of this world. But often what it debases into is equating anything of the culture is just being evil in its own right, which I think is anti-biblical because culture is culture and it could be good, bad, or indifferent, but by being cultural doesn't automatically make it wrong. Mm -hmm. The more prevailing position and why most churches will set up Christmas trees, including our own mm -hmm. this type of year. And most Christians, um, will find themselves in a spiritual climate where their spiritual leaders won't forbid that kind of practice is the idea of baptizing culture. And that goes back to what I was mentioning with December 25th earlier, that we all live in culture and culture fundamentally is a gift of God. And, and the things that we um, bring about from, from language to, to holidays, to, to, to dress, to food, to, to traditions, to you name it, don't necessarily need to be good or bad in their own right. So that there is nothing fundamentally wrong with decorating a tree. If your culture likes to decorate a tree, well, how cool is that? Just like if your culture likes to bring plants in the house and grow them or, you know, any other number of things. What's wrong is to decorate a tree, to worship it, and claim that it has some kind of power in your life and you need to bring sacrifice to it or to what it represents in order to get on well in this world. That would be idolatry. But you can separate the idolatrous aspect of something from what it is in its own right. There's nothing fundamentally idolatrous about an adorned tree. There is something idolatrous about claiming that this tree represents some God who isn't Yahweh and giving obeisance to it. And so just like December 25th, what the Christian community has long, uh, long since done with like trees and Yule logs and things of that nature is baptized it, saying we are going to take something that may have become corrupt in idea and practice, but baptize it or immerse it into Christ and redefine it into Christ who should be the true source of what, what is good and right in, 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 in our cultural practice in this world and see it through those eyes. Does, does that make sense? Yeah. So my encouragement to anyone is, look, if decorating a tree is tempting you to idolatry or tempting you to some kind of what I would call cultural compromise, well, don't do it. Don't do it. Don't risk your loyalty to Christ because everyone around you is doing it. But if you can set up a tree in your house and deck it out with 3,000 lights and put ornaments on it and tinsel on it because it's pretty and you like it and it's something fun in its own right and doesn't have any of that other baggage for you, well, then celebrate it to the degree that you want. So we don't have to, um, but, but go for it. So I would say don't judge your friend and wherever they're at because you don't know what their internal spiritual wrestle might be. But also don't think that just because this is what your friend is doing, that that therefore has to be mandated on you. I think Romans 14 might be a great chapter for you to read in context of this. Kent, you want to give us the, we're halfway through right now. You want to give us the sure. shout out? Thanks for uh, tuning in. This is 216 The Net. Thanks for getting caught in the net. This is questions you never thought you could ask in church. And of course, you don't have to be in church to never ask these questions. If you're riding in your car, it's the middle of the night, whatever, uh, pull over. 
And then text them in to 815-314-0363. Or if you are jumping out of the shower or in the shower as we started this whole thing, write it on the wall, get out, and then text that question in. Uh, keep the phones out of the shower as well, right? And uh, we're here every every Wednesday, uh, 1230 Central. And then you can also catch us on Sunday mornings, right? Fellowship of Faith, Worship Hour at uh, 10 a.m. Central. So, 10 a.m. Yeah. You know, this whole time when you were, you know, expounding upon idolatry and then, you know, someone could actually rebrand it so that it's idola and then the tree so that they could sell them as <laughs> idolatries. Yes. See, that would be good. But I had this whole vision of, of you in pursuit of a wife, meaning you get dressed up, you're in Amish attire, you go out to the nearest Amish or Mennonite community and you're like, it's time for me to get a wife. Cause that's how it went down. Yes. You know? And so yeah. then you go there and you, you seek Oh, there's a special one. And then you, you know, dan maybe dance. Do they dance? No, they don't they dance. dance. No. What, are, what else? What do they do for fun? Horseshoes? Um, no, but you know, we, um, my <laughs> wife and I, uh, we got smoked by, a, by an Amish volleyball team. Oh. Yeah, absolutely mm. crushed. We were over at the state park, you know, out where she lives, visiting family back home. And, uh, you know, we pull in and you got the horse and buggies there next to the cars parked and they were all playing volleyball. And I mean, and when I say they're playing volleyball, I mean, full full garb like like you know the big wide brim black hat the big beards the black thing they, they were wearing black nikes okay um, well, which is good to see so i mean they're right on but uh <laughs> but yeah the, you know it was multi-generational there were some kids playing there was like grandpa age guy playing and they asked if we wanted to play and it's like you know and when you have these moments in life um when, when you just know you're never going to get to experience this again it's like if, if, if an Amish volleyball team challenges you to a match, you always say yes. Always say yes. You know? And, and so, like, you know, absolutely. Greatest group of people you'd ever meet. I mean, we had so much fun playing with them, but they destroyed us. Mm. I mean, you know, not only competitive, but just, but competitive, like, behind humility. Mm -hmm. you, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, like, they were just good, and mm -hmm. they knew they it. They knew it. But they didn't rub your face in it. Yeah. They, That's okay. <laughs> You'll get the next one. They did after, you, la after you left. But, you yeah. know, yeah, totally. <laughs> They're still laughing mocking. about us. Yeah. Uh, he's a donkey. <laughs> so they play volleyball. That's good. Yeah. That's good. So we've got uh, Kiza Andrew, good friend of ours uh, that uh, lives in Uganda. Yeah. He's chiming in right, right now. All right. He well, does a lot of uh, street preaching. Yeah. And Fantastic. he's going to uh, school right now to be a pastor. Hey, that's cool. So, All right. Um, there he is. Hello, Kiza. Praise the Lord. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for what you're doing, brother. Yep. Thanks for tuning in. Yep. Good guy. You'll get to meet him someday. All right. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. So we got another Advent question here. My mom always had an Advent wreath. Hmm. I've heard many different explanations for why one of the candles is a different color. What's this all about? Yeah, so an Advent wreath is a wreath that you put in your home or your church, and it historically has four candles around the perimeter of the wreath. Three of one color, one of an alternate color. And the colors have changed. You'll see a lot of times three that are purple, one that's pink. Sometimes you'll see blue used instead. We don't need to get into all that. Um, and then on Christmas Day, there'll be a big white one that you put in the middle, which is to symbolize the birth of Christ. Fundamentally, what these Advent wreaths are all about is it's, it's just a church tradition, and it's basically a countdown. Um, and probably, I, I don't know how long back they go, but probably before people had clocks in their house, it was just a way to kind of count down to Christmas. There's four weeks of Advent, right? Advent is a season in the church year that precedes Christmas. The whole season is a countdown to Christmas. And you would light one candle each week or each Sunday at the start of that new week, as kind of that lead up. So it's getting brighter, brighter, closer, closer, kind of fun, kind of cool. And if you have kids at home, I really encourage the tradition. They kind of, I don't know. I've never met a kid that doesn't get into fire. So <laughs> I always loved them. Um, but why the different colors? You know, you can look into it. I cannot find to save my life, any kind of solid historic tradition that roots it. If you look into it, I know someone's going to text in and go, it's about this. It's about peace, love, joy, and hope, or someone else is going to text in and go, well, the pink one's the third week and it's the John the Baptist candle. You're going to, I know we're going to get people that are so like just rooted in their tradition because that's what their pastor told them, or that's what we do in our church. But I tell you, look into it and you will find about 18 explanations. And I just encourage you, find one that's the mother of them all. Mm. <laughs> and it just doesn't seem to be there. It just seems like different communities, different uh, develop their own tradition around it. And 
over the years and generations in different ways. So uh, maybe there's a better historian out there than I am that can get to the root of it all and please text it in because we'd love to know what source where you're getting it from because that's where it gets or, or send in your, your favorite Christmas hymn or carol. Like I, I would love to know like what is everybody's favorite? Do is there an overwhelming like silent night? What's your favorite? I don't know if I have one, you know, it's uh, there's a top tier and it depends on mood. What child is this Mm. is really high for Mm -hmm, me. mm -hmm. Hark the Herald Angels Sing, both in its original version and its today's version is high for me. God rest you married gentlemen is actually way up there for me. I can see that. I think that's my top three. Especially that one, like when you're dressed in your your medieval knights costumes and stuff. But see, it can't be it can't be like the uh, the bubbly version. I like the haunted Mm. version. Of mm-hmm. the minor key version, or I like the Trans Siberian yes. version of it too. Yeah. So, you guys both like them, don't you? Mm-hmm. What is it? TSO for short. TSO. What you call them, Steve? Do you roll? What, do you roll TSO? I don't. Cool people. I don't like it. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you think? I think it's just overdone, overproduced. All right. Well, it's also been the same thing for the last. 20, it is twenty years. So it's so. like hasn't been really anything Steve. new. Yeah. They so did something Steve's new at the beginning. Same thing with Mariah Carey. Right? I love yeah. Mariah Carey. Mariah Carey. And Mary, did you know? If I could carry Mariah Carey, Mary, did you know? He sings "Mary, did you know?" in the shower. I do with vibrato. Boys to men, Mary, did you know? Mary, did you know? (laughs) My baby. You know we're doing Mary this Sunday at FOF. We we, we need a special solo. If we ever do that, I'm leaving. Jeep run. Get off your Jeep run. (laughs) I'm leaving. Uh, Kiza, make room for me. I'm moving to Uganda. Let's we'll see if we can get a blues version. Of- <laughs> uh, Scott says "Little Drummer Boy." Mary Which version? You know. Which version, Scott? "Little Drummer Boy." Check out Audio Adrenaline's. Andrew loves Audio Adrenaline's "Little Drummer Boy." <laughs> I actually do. One of my yeah. favorites. I like it. I know you. Yeah, you've actually uh, we've done it. You've arranged it. Yeah, yeah. Oh, we have some <laughs> special guests. <laughs> um, so I like this one. Um, I'm a Christian, but my husband is Jewish. We want our kids to celebrate Christmas and Hanukkah. Oh, is that okay? Yeah. Yeah. It's totally okay. But like a lot of things like the Christmas tree and everything else that we talked about, it's the reasons behind it that are most significant and important. Thank you for asking this today. Um, some, sometimes I think we mistakenly pit Christianity against Judaism in all its forms and forget that Christianity views itself as a Judaic religion certainly historically, that it always saw itself as the fulfillment of Judaism Mm. and that Jesus himself more likely than not celebrated Hanukkah along with many of these other Jewish feasts. And in fact, you can find some references in like John 7, I believe, for example, where where Jesus seems to be in Jerusalem at the Feast of Lights. Um, Hanukkah is celebrated. I can describe Hanukkah momentarily if you want, where Jesus stands up in the middle of it and goes, I am the light of the world particularly in the context of the menorah, if you will, being lit for the feast or festival of lights, which is what Hanukkah means and is. So yeah, you're a Christian, your husband is Jewish, um, and, and you want to celebrate both traditions. I personally don't see anything wrong with that. But here's the fly in the ointment for you in, in something that you do have to navigate in something that I would encourage you um, to wrestle with. If you are in a mixed faith family, particularly Jewish and Christian, there's more fundamental, uh, deeper questions that you need to ask about what are we going to teach our child about reality and who Jesus is? I am sure you found many points of commonality from, from ethics to morals to right and wrong to the view of one God who rules this universe that we seek. I mean, you know, all of this is, is, is stuff that, that Christianity espouses. But at some level, you're going to have to have the question about who is Jesus? And if you believe that Jesus is Yahweh, if you believe that Jesus is Savior and Lord, and that our fundamental call in life is to have loyalty to Jesus on the basis of who he says he is, it means at some level that all, not only all loyalty, but all things need to be interpreted through him. And that would include Hanukkah as well. So to celebrate Hanukkah is great. But if it's being done in such a way to say, well, we're just going to let you decide, or we're not going to get into questions of who Jesus really is. We're just going to kind of keep some surface level traditions alive and get double the gifts and spin some dreidels and light some candles and then do a Christmas tree as well. That's kind of shallow. 
And I would actually say it's even insulting to both faith traditions. At some level, I think you and your husband need to have the deeper conversation about how you're going to raise your, your children. And I hope as a Christian that your loyalty to Christ will come out in that conversation and that you'll be a witness both to your husband and to your child within that. So, uh, so some deeper things to wrestle with there in the, the context of it all. But, but let's just kind of assume that that is going on, that your husband is supportive. Then no, certainly enjoy the traditions around both, but, but go deeper into what the meanings of these traditions happen to be and certainly how Hanukkah found fulfillment ultimately in Christ. Yeah. Yeah, great so question. Jesus, great question. So Jesus celebrated Hanukkah most likely. He obviously did not celebrate Christmas. <laughs> yeah. That would be a little weird. Yeah, you know, and unless <laughs> well, he Mary, celebrated his birthday. Unless Mary was lighting the candles on a cake every year, which I highly <laughs> doubt. You know, but <laughs> birthday parties. Yeah. yeah. But he was doing it in the summer, right? Probably. Yeah. yeah. I, I think the fall. The fall, Just the nice yeah. autumn leaves. Nice and, autumn leaves yeah, in the Middle exactly. East, yeah. <laughs> they're, they're beautiful, you know, around October. <laughs> Do palm trees change color? I don't know. People think, go. <laughs> people drive out from the city, you know, to go upstate and, you know, see the Do you the, think they the built, foliage. built snowmen back then? <laughs> oh, yeah, up on Mount Hermon and stuff like yeah. that. How, how could they not? Just huge ones. Just huge snowmen, yeah. Made, made out of boulders. Right. <laughs> At the top of a pyramid. Yeah. There is a snowman. <laughs> Uh, Scott says, we, the kingdom. Yep. For little drummer boy. And absolutely the audio adrenaline. Yeah, I agree. They're both good, different in their own ways. And then we have, uh, Nasir, uh, chiming in. He says, hello. So hello. Hello. All right. Nasir. hello. All right. Nasir, share with us where you're from. All right. We'd love to, to know where home is for you. Um, so a friend told me that the virgin birth is something the church made up and that the Bible passage it's based on doesn't even talk about virgins. What do Christians teach about? This? No, that's not true. No, it's not something the church made up. It's, it, it's, it's absolutely biblical, but I will unpack maybe where some of that myth comes from. You can read about this in, in both Luke and in Matthew. Um, but Matthew chapter one specifically quotes a, a bit of Isaiah or Isaiah prophecy, Isaiah chapter seven. And the specific passage that it quotes is Isaiah seven fourteen which says, um, the virgin will be with child and will bear a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Matthew takes this verse from Isaiah and applies it to the message that the angel gives to Mary about how being a true virgin, she will be overshadowed by the Holy Spirit and conceive in her virginity and give birth miraculously to a child, not through typical sexual union, right? The word that it uses in Greek is parthenos, and parthenos means virgin. But the underlying passage from Isaiah, which is written in Hebrew, uses the term alma. And alma can refer to any kind of young unmarried woman, whether technically a virgin or not. Like today, there's a lot of young married unmarried women who have nonetheless had sex and aren't virgins, right? Culturally, it would more likely than not be someone who is an actual virgin, but it doesn't have to be read specifically in Isaiah in that context. And I would even go further to say, I don't think that's the context Isaiah meant it in. I think when Isaiah gave the prophecy, what he meant is that this young woman over here who is unmarried is going to give birth to a son, but through the normal process of getting married, and then having a child through normal sexual union, and then the child that that Alma or woman was going to bear um, would be the sign that God was with the people of Judea, or Judah, I should say, during the threat of the Assyrian Empire. And I think the entire Isaiah chapter 7 through 11 context supports that reading most naturally. But what the New Testament does is it reinterprets Old Testament passages in light of of something new or surprising that God is doing through Christ. Something that you couldn't even see or suspect. And what the New Testament often does is hyper-literalizes Old Testament passages. And it shows how God is, is working and hinting through something that had fulfillment in Isaiah's day, but now he's giving a hyper-literal aspect to it where, you know, yeah, back then this virgin was going to get married and have a son, and it was going to be a sign that God's with us. But now God is coming on an actual virgin. He's actually going to be my son, God is saying. And this is the even greater sign that God is with us. So no, it's nothing that the church invented. It's coming right out of the apostolic witness itself. 
be interesting to know where they're at within what what their belief system is within Christianity or the Bible anyway. Like, because in my mind, there's so many other things to question besides that that are probably even mind blowing and it within how my mind works. It is, but, than- but but this has often been one of the uh, the major hangups for people because obviously a a, a, a literal virgin having a child, right? Um, which is what the Bible and Christianity has always given witness to, even as a prime point. I mean, it gets encapsulated in, in those basic fundamental creeds. You know, and I believe in Jesus Christ, the only begotten son of God, or, or let me go the Apostles' Creed version because it's shorter. Um, you know, where it's, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only son, you know, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate. I mean, it gives like seven points of fact, and that's one of them. Um, but because let's face it, it's miraculous. And if you have an underlying problem with the miraculous or the supernatural or the ability of in this world, God to intervene because you insist that it's a closed materialistic universe. Well, it's just one miracle among many that's going to philosophically and fundamentally trip you up. Mm -hmm. But the message of the Bible is God intervenes in human history and does things out of the norm that are miraculous or against the laws of nature or science as we would typically um, characterize them. Yeah. Kiza says, I love the Greek and the Hebrew Hebrew interpretation because they always bring out a more clear interpretation. So what are your thoughts on that? You know, Greek and Hebrew. Yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, thank you. And, and, you know, and I would agree. And this is why I think um, it's important for church leaders to know and study and read in the original languages, because while translations are fantastic, wrong conclusions can sometimes be drawn from translation that were never intended by the translator. Um, and sometimes it brings things into like sharper deaf. You know, it, it, it's interesting. It, it's not like you need to know Greek and Hebrew to like discover some like lost truth or hidden meaning or, or, or secret doctrine of who Christ is. You can get everything in translation, but it keeps you from certain pitfalls and brings other things into greater clarity that you might otherwise miss. It's the difference I've often heard between watching TV in black and white versus like, you know, 4k or um, uh, watching the football game on TV versus being there in person to get a wider, wider field of vision than just what the camera is focusing on. All these analogies are half baked at best, but you know, sure. It gives us something to kind of put our feet on. Yeah. Great question. Um, this one's nice. Uh, sometimes I feel like people treat God like Santa Claus, <laughs> like some jolly guy you never see who brings presents to good people, but not to bad. Is this what Christians believe? <laughs> well, whether some Christians believe that or not, I'm not really going to say because I'm sure some Christians do believe that, but that is not Christianity's portrayal of God. But there are points of similarity. Um, Time allowing, and if it's interesting, we can get into a whole thing on Santa Claus. Well, there's a Um, bunch of other questions about that, so maybe we'll dive into that next week. Okay, you know, if you want, but I will just give a cliffhanger this week to maybe the Santa Claus question of next week of going Santa Claus, um, which is a Dutch derivative of St. Nicholas. St. Nicholas was a Christian bishop. And, and so St. Christ, uh, Nicholas was, was a Christian and one who sought to emulate his life on the way of Christ. And the way of Christ and, of course, the way of God is one of extreme generosity. It, it's one that blesses. It's one that's rooted in grace. So there is an aspect of truth that God is a God who gives good gifts. God is a God who delights in being generous. God is a God who gives us things, unlike Santa Claus, what we don't deserve. Because while there might be a naughty and nice list or, or, or a, a righteous and wicked, God is one who delights in blessing the wicked. God is one who delights in giving the naughty things that they don't deserve, if I can put it that way. Um, but now we're getting kind of off the rails mm-hmm. there. Um, but no, to treat God as, as nothing more than one that we go to to ask things for, please, please, please give this to me and in our prayer life debases to just a list of things that we want. Well, I think is insulting to God because it's treating him like a vending machine as opposed to one that, uh, as opposed to a person who wants to have a relationship with us. Just like if the only nature of a relationship you have with your, your mother or your father or a friend is always just to ask for things. I mean, maybe they delight in giving you those things, but, but, but isn't that kind of shallow? 
And isn't that kind of using them? And can't it be something so much more? And, and I do agree that, that I think there's a tendency of many Christians to fall into the trap of just running to God when they need something mm. and, and treating God as nothing more than someone that they can get something from in a time of need or even just out of desire. And certainly go to God with your needs and desires, but go to him with, with so much more and for so much more as well. Yeah. 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 Great question. Um, so we have just a couple minutes left. I would yeah, say there, huh? I, I liked, uh, I don't know. I've heard, I've heard that described as like vending machine, Jesus. Yeah. Like yeah. you go there and you're like, ah, well, I need, I want a little bit of this and I need a little bit of this. I'd like G3. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, but it's only when you need something that you're going and seeking it out. Not, I mean, you're never going to a vending machine with your thankfulness or <laughs> yeah. Right. Types of things. Or even worse, if you go to God thinking that you have to give something, Yeah. you know, here, here's my dollar. But if I want this, I need to give $2. Right. And shoot, I don't have exact change. So what do I do about that? I mean, you know, you could keep pushing this analogy. Never heard of the analogy before until today. No, really? All right. No. Now you know. And, now you, know. you know, usually you I go to a vending machine and I'm almost always disappointed because anything that I want is gone. And then there's usually like some crappy pizza combos that are there that have been there for <laughs> like eight 1982. Yeah, yeah, right, right. That are yeah. so stale and Stale on the outside and absolutely like cement on the inside. Yeah, it's that almost cheese. become like an alternate energy source. Horrible. It's like the half-life in this kind of thing, you know? uh, The problems in my life. So difficult. It's the worst, yeah. <laughs> I'm feeling like there's a good sermon series in here. Vending, Vending machine. Vending machine Jesus. Vending machine Jesus. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we should have one of those. At church. At church. We could Jeremiah tenant, you know, we could bring it out of a place. We can get someone to fashion it, like, like put like, legs and hands and yeah. a head on it. We can adorn it in silver and gold and we can, yeah. you know, I mean, I think there's a, yeah, yeah we, we can push this. Here's a question to finish up. we got about three minutes, but I'm just curious uh, why still staying with the Christmas theme. Uh, why did, why was Jesus, uh, you know, born in the middle East? Why couldn't it have been, you know, like Miami? Or, yeah, right, right. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So our whole religion comes from a war-torn area that is kind of yuck. Right Which now, I right? think has amazing implications yeah. on its own right of what God comes down into. But the fundamental answer is he could have been born anywhere. But the reality of how God chose to work in this world is he chose one people group among all others to be his chosen people group. And that's Israel, or what later came to be known as the Jews. And it's not that God loves them more, but it's that that's who God has chosen to do his work through. And so they're the ones that God entrusted his promises to, his revelation to, his covenants to, who he set apart to be the light to the world, who he set apart to be the ones to bring clarity of who the true God of this universe is to the pagan nations all around, who are groping in the dark, trying to figure out what, what, what more is out there and who God is. And so if through that people um, who happened to live in the Middle East, God brought forth his son. That was, yeah, the way he chose to do it. Good. Would you prefer Miami? Uh, no, I don't, not necessarily Miami, but. Do the palm tree thing instead well, of the. Yeah, you know, yeah, you know, something, uh, you know, you you would think uh, this is the. Oh, right. And, and, uh, <laughs> so that's how you think of Miami sure. is. Yeah. Well, you know, <laughs> what about the North pole? Yeah, There's a lot of lights. Pole, There's some singing, right? you know, yeah. why, why is floating it? on an iceberg yeah. would have been one, would, would have done wonders for, for tourism. <laughs> I mean, who goes to the North pole? Right no one. Yeah. Polar bears. People are crazy. But I've always, yeah, I've, I've Older always bears wondered, right? and people who are crazy. There's, there's two, there's two they're up there battling. Penguins, penguins are there. Some no, seals. man, that's South Pole. That's South Pole. Uh, yeah. There's, I think you're crossing some, your world. There's some North, North Pole penguins. <laughs> the, 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 there's some penguins who have immigrated. The North there. side. Yeah. The yeah. other yeah. side. They wear blue. <laughs> yeah. They're kind of a gang. They're rival yeah. gangs. They fight yeah. it out yeah. for their territory. Just don't go along the equator where they like to cross paths. It's the militarized zone. Yeah. <laughs> all right so well, this is divulged a little bit <laughs> so uh we've got uh church service tonight will not be airing on 21 6 the net but uh out at fellowship of faith.org uh, we can get that at what time yeah six, six o'clock tonight and yep. you know and if you are listening to our show Central. 
Central. Central. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. If you don't have a church home and you want help looking for one, we'd encourage you to check out Fellowship of Faith again. Yep. Thank you for bringing that up, Kent. It's fellowshipoffaith.org. We're here out of McHenry, Illinois, which is about an hour northwest of Chicago. Um, you know, we broadcast everything online. So if you're out of area and you want to check us out on Sundays at 10 a.m., catch us there. But but we really always encourage you that if you're out of area, it's important to connect in person with a local church yeah. community. And we can help you with that. So uh, reach out to us and we can help you find a church, a good church in your area um, and a good group of believers to uh, um, help you on the discipleship journey of learning who Jesus is and how to serve him in this world. Uh, this this yeah. podcast goes live every Wednesday at 1230 Central. We thank you for cu- catching us today. But if you've uh, missed past episodes or you want to catch us at an off time, you can always catch us on podcast. Uh, just go questions you never thought you could ask in church on Spotify, Apple or anything else. You'll find it or go on our website at fellowshipoffaith.org and go to FOF Plus and you can catch past recordings there. If we didn't get to your question today, it's in our inbox. We will get to it in future weeks. And then we got more uh, Advent and Christmas questions coming our way, plus a whole lot more of every stripe and variety. It doesn't just have to be about that. So before we cut out, 815-314-0363. Text your questions into 815-314-0363. Want to thank you for the questions you're asking. Keep asking them. God bless, and we hope you have a great day.